Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan. And on this episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast, we're going to be talking about how we as parents can support our children in their optimal development in a way that is not overwhelming, stressful, or, you know, really scary for us. I think lots of parents get stuck in a place of really wanting the best for their kids and they stress themselves out. And so I'm bringing in an expert who can help us figure out how to support our kids so that they can have healthy, happy, fulfilling lives in a way that is actually kind of easy on us. And I'm super intrigued. So please welcome Karen Trace to the show. She's going to be my partner in this conversation. Karen, thanks for being here with us. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Hi, Laura. Thanks. Happy to join you and all of you, the audience of Balanced Parent, which is such a lovely podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm thrilled to be with you today. A little bit of what I do. So I have a, a clinic with other psychologists who work with us and myself, and we really work mostly with parents and non-parents, but adults, and really show people how they can live an optimal life, a deeply fulfilling, deeply aligned, highly utilized life from a place of profound ease, from a place of profound effortlessness. And in fact, by tapping that ease and by tapping that effortlessness, that's actually the only way we can have this profoundly fulfilled, fully utilized life. So that's our specialty. And that's, that's what our clinic offers. Okay. So I think I speak for everybody listening right now. We're like, yeah, we want that. Okay. So how? Tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, cool. One of the main challenges that all of us face is we have a deep embedded story in our system that who we are, what we're doing, and how we're living our life is like, so, 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 so important. And we have to get it right. And if we don't get it right, we're messing up, you know, we're harming other people. And so this tension, this is a really big tension in us. And that tension is blocking our ability to recognize there's something deeply supportive in each moment, in each present moment. And if we can land in that present moment and connect to that supportive movement, it has a flow and it's going to flow us 
into a really aligned place. And so the place that I find with everybody we work with, we're always trying to help unravel or untangle that deep tension so that they can listen and find that flow. So, you know, similar to ancient teachings where you're going to like find the Tao or listen to the Tao, you know, like find that flow, that flow state, find that, that zone. And then I think every parent listening understands that because they've found it at many times, at many moments, they've dropped into it for a second and things are just like easy and fun, right? And simple. Yeah. And then it's like, and then you fall out of it again. <laughs> well, it's always seems so slippery. It just, it does. It seems slippery, like hard to hold on to at times. Yeah, exactly. And so let's get into some practical ways that we can actually harness that and, and have a repeatable access to that flow state. But that's really what we're actually talking about is something that's not unfamiliar to anybody listening. It feels impossible to repeatedly get back there. Yeah. And, you know, something that we were talking about before we started recording was that, you know, how when we're in that state, things also flow easier for our kids. So I kind of want to see which direction you want to go. Do you want to go towards kind of how do we step more into ease and presence and flow or do do we want to go in the direction of kind of what are like the developmental capacities of our children and move that direction where what feels good to you right now yeah I think if we start with why that is so important to your children and how Mm -hmm. it affects your children I think we'll build slowly the understanding for our listeners here of what the foundation of that is then we can move into the practical ways that they can do that with the understanding of, oh, this is going to help my kids in this way, in this way, in this way. So I think we'll start in on how it affects the kids. Okay. Let's dive in. Tell me. Okay. So, you know, you know, and I know we have this language and psychology, we talk about developmental markers or these developmental capacities, but let's break that down a tiny bit for, you know, just for parents that may not have had this, the academic background we have, but the idea is like, if we're talking about something that's developing in your children, right, then that is a spontaneous movement. And it is about a neural network. So this is connecting information in our neurons, in our brain. Now, we have three brains. We have a brain in our head. We have a brain in our heart. And we have a brain in our gut. And each of those brains are moving with these neural pathways, which we can think of like roadways. And if we build roads, then we can get to places, right? And so the more access there is, the more ability to flow our children would have. And so when we're talking about a developmental capacity, we're talking about a spontaneous neural network that's going to allow your children, so the capacity to resource, solve, understand, and actualize. So when we're talking about a developmental capacity, that's what we're talking about, the spontaneous movement inside your children to begin to resource, solve, understand, and actualize. Can we give a, like a concrete example of what, yes. something that most parents will have seen this in action with their kids? Absolutely. And that's the thing is like, there are fancy charts and you can look online, but, <laughs> right. but regardless, like throw all that away, you as a parent witness your children's capacity all the time, right? All the time. And It's so exciting as a parent to witness that. It's a real joy because you're watching your child and your child is like, 
discovering how to tie a shoe or discovering numbers or letters, or even like, if you think of your child right now and whatever age your child is, you could sit and just in your being, see their capacity, right? My child has a capacity to, well, Laura, what are some of the capacities of your kids? Like just one of your girls. Oh, I mean, they have capacity for great kindness and generosity. They have um, the ability to figure out how things that they are seeing in their close world relate to the bigger world. One of them loves to play with numbers, and I see her math capacity a lot. I think a stage that I really saw some of these developmental drives coming up, these kind of inborn just can't even hold it back drives that I think most parents will relate to is when language development is happening. Even for non-hearing kids or kids who are in a home that uses sign language, they babble. Language, there's this drive for language that most kids have. Like both of my kids, when they were learning to crawl, would wake themselves up in the middle of the night, like pushing up on their hands and knees and rocking, you know, like, (laughs) and, and I know I hear about that all the time from other families too, that it just, there's these certain things that are just these drives within a child that's going to happen and we just have to kind of get out of the way. Absolutely. Because that's the thing, right? When you see that this is an inborn capacity coming online, it's a spontaneous thing in your child. And like, just even as you're talking, the joy in your heart, right? Like it's so, as a parent, this is such a miracle to witness and we're touched. We're so touched by it. Like it feels like there's nowhere else we would rather be in that moment than witnessing our child developing, right? Like getting a skill set organically inside of them. And I, I love how you describe like one of your girls, it's, it's math is just really alive for her. Some of the language we use in our clinic is like, it's a turn on, right? The kid is just turning on like this ignition switch. And it's so beautiful because it doesn't have to do with you. You didn't teach her math. Mm-hmm. That was a developmental capacity in her. You didn't teach them to crawl, right? That was right. a developmental capacity in them. And it's going to continue that way, right? Like you don't have to teach your children kindness, compassion. These are inborn capacities in children that will come online if we can get out of the way, as you say, right? I think though what you're saying right now, especially for some of the more social and emotional skills is not well understood as a capacity that's inborn and that is coming online in the same way that learning to walk or learning to read is understood. This is something that I experience a lot with one of my own children, child. So my oldest has an explosive temper, if you want to label it something, has some other kids developed emotional regulation faster than her. I don't really like calling things delayed. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe. maybe. She was moving at the pace that was right for her. And those things are beautifully coming online in the way and the space and time that's right for her. But also, what if that explosive temper, for instance, was actually developmental capacity? It was a capacity. So let's say we can have children who are, we like to call them rebels, right? Like a a rebel child. And then we have our docile children. And both of those children are moving with developmental intelligence, real intelligence. And so our docile children 
are very turned on, right? Like engaged by rules. They want to know the rules. And I don't mean that in the concrete, like, you know, don't run in the hallway kind of rules, but I mean like the rules of society, like the rules of engagement, the rules of civilized mm-hmm. world is such a turn on to them. It's how do we play here? I'm here in this life thing. What are the rules? How do we play in, right? That's a docile child's developmental capacity, but a rebel child has very little interest in the rules and is much, much more into effectiveness, speed, and efficiency. That's what our rebels are. And they're incredible at it. They're incredible at it. And what happens is they get quite frustrated if there are, air quote, rules in play that affect efficiency, effectivity, and speed. So if a rule gets in the way of the effectiveness, the speed of it, and the efficiency of it, they get incredibly frustrated and explosive as they ought to because Mm -hmm. it's a real impasse to the thing that most turns them on. Mm-hmm. And if we allow our rebel children, because, you know, all of you guys know, you know, most people have <laughs> come into contact with a rebel child, whether it's their own child or a niece or a nephew or playmate or whatever. These are very, very creative children. And, and if we allow them the space to make their own pathways through things like it, let's say you're at a grocery store with your rebel child, your rebel child doesn't want to do the rules. They don't want to have to walk that way around the grocery store. They're like going to find these efficient, speedy, effective, creative solutions. And if we're pulling them back because there's a different rule, they get really explosive. And yes, we do need to help our child with expression skills then perhaps but <laughs> yes. the actual explosion is a beautiful developmental sign so yes. yeah yeah you know it's funny this one daughter of mine is actually much more of a rule follower it takes lots of comfort in rules Ooh. and actually gets really upset and finds it really problematic when things are not going according to okay perfect yeah right, yeah. right. She's... Yeah, so just flip it so yes just, yeah, just flip, flip it. it right yeah but, but i think that so many of the parents that i work with they don't see the range of development and learning of social and emotional skills the same way that they do like their child learning to walk yeah. like when a child's learning to walk we expect them to fall down we expect them to stumble you know we expect that that's not going to be a perfectly you know that they're just going to stand up one day and walk perfectly with no stumble and we expect there to be a progression, a movement, and very f- few parents apply that to the compassion, the, kindness, empathy, generosity, you generosity, know, all, all those pieces of resiliency, it. Resiliency. Yeah, that yeah. those things also take time. They have each child will have their own individual developmental trajectory that will look yep. different than other children's. And will be spontaneous and will come online. Yeah, and will come online. There's a piece of trust in there and trusting in children, trusting in their capacities that I think are embodying here that is hard for parents to trust sometimes. Yeah, and this is that because for parents, it's hard for them to understand safety already exists 
or that ease or relaxation and safety are possible places. We, we have this sort of deep programming from our own parents to us and part of the world to us that, that it's our job to be stressed. It's our job to worry. It's our job to like <laughs> run ahead of our kid five steps and project a problem, project a challenge. That's the thing that's ebbing against, that's or like pressing against their ability to just stop, witness their kid. And then see the, what I would call empirical evidence that your kids' capacities will come online. Because when you took a second and talked about the developmental capacities of your kid, you can see there's just been this organic progression that you didn't teach, you didn't intervene, like they woke themselves up to crawl, you know, they woke themselves up with language, they, you know, like looking at how consistent that was, you just witnessed your kid, look at how incredibly consistent it was. I feel like that's where the trust comes from, the Mm -hmm. the direct experience and how consistent 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 it is and that we can trust them we can not just trust our kids as individuals but trust as an organism as a being right yes so for me the definition of the word trust has to do a lot with maybe i use the word faith instead of trust Mm -hmm. and they could almost be interchangeable but i think with the connotation of faith is an idea that i have this experience of my child in this case. And it's so consistently true about my child that I can have faith. It will continue to be consistent is Mm. kind of the definition. So it's like, it's not a blind leap into the unknown. It's a reflective process based in evidence that you as a parent are witnessing. So Mm. you're witnessing the evidence, witnessing the evidence. The evidence is so consistent that we can absolutely project, it will continue to be consistent. For me, that feels very reassuring. That feels like something I can say to myself in moments when I'm afraid that my kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or growing or developing skills at the rate that they're supposed to be doing it. That feels very reassuring to me. And I think it's easier for me, given my background, for that to be reassuring. What about for the parents who are like, but yeah, and at the same time, the kids have got to go to school, there's rules to follow, they have to be able to say, you know, you know, know that if somebody says no to them, that they can't just throw a fit about it. Like, what about those situations where there are societal expectations placed on parents, and we're living in society, like we're living in culture? What do we do? Sometimes it feels really hard and lonely. Yes, <laughs> to be parenting this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if we're going back to these spontaneous developments, right? So if you look at just as you're listening right now, right, just put your kid's capacity in your mind, right? Just as Laura had done here, your kid, their capacity, do they have capacity to say, please, right? Is it is the capacity there, not the willingness, the capacity <laughs> It's a good different, like a good differentiation. Okay. Yes, of course, the capacity is there. Right. Do they have a capacity to stand in line? Of course, the capacity they, is there. Yeah. Do they have a capacity to listen to an adult and understand what's being asked of them? Do they have the capacity to understand and witness the world around them? And there's like, let's say it's like a classroom environment 
and the kids are all working on a project, does your child have the capacity to sit in that classroom and recognize she has a role in that space? Yes, mine does. I'm not sure that all kids are ready for that at because the, if the capacity, ages, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's not at all ages, right? Right. The, the capacity is going to come on board. It's yeah. Come online. And many of our systems in society, like classrooms, right? We don't put our kids in classrooms till they're four or five when that capacity is generally on board. Although we personally, don't... I think it's too early. <laughs> I think that they shouldn't yeah. be sitting at desks until they're closer to eight. <laughs> Or maybe but, never sitting at desk. Like, well, can, right, can probably. We, can we innovate and make better? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Is it the best? No. And evolution is going to keep changing that. And P.S. COVID has made some really great inroads on how we can start doing the school systems better. However, for now, it is generally a capacity of a four-year-old or a five-year-old to be able to sit in an environment and witness the role going on and understand that they have usually, you know, at four or five, the developmental capacity of your children is they want to engage. They want to be helpful. They want to contribute. They want to know what their job is. Give them a job, right? They want to be a part of a community. They want to be a part of friendships. Yeah. Yes. These are organic developmental capacities. And regardless, you as a parent, like trying to give it to them or teach (laughs) it to them, it will come on board. So for parents who are sort of like, but there's this world and this world expects of my kid. It's like, you know what? Chances are your kid, if that's their appropriate environment, then chances are your kid will have the developmental capacity or it will, or the environment will help it come online. Yeah. There's this quote by Magda Gerber that you just reminded me of that says, readiness is when they do it. And I love that. I love that <laughs> I love quote. That. That's what, I you, love that. Yeah. Readiness totally. is when they do it. And it's just, oof, I, it's always, that's been a very comforting thing for me to remind myself of. For example, my oldest, who is wonderful and delightful and who I adore, has moments where she is reluctant to try new things and is nervous about certain things. And so riding her bike is something that she's wanted to do for a long time. She has completely has the capacity to do it. She would be like, she could get up on her bike right now and ride it without training wheels. I have no doubt. But there's something that is impeding her from doing it, you know, actually doing it. Yep. And she'll just, yep. she'll, I, it's my job to just trust that she will just, she'll do it when she's ready. She had the same, yes. thing, you know, she'll, it was the same with swimming when she refused to put her face in the water. She refused to let go of the side, even though she was clearly strong enough, clearly able to swim. And then one day she was just like, oh, I'm going to do it. And then she just swam across the pool. And we were all, Here's <laughs> you illustrating in such beautiful real time for all of our parents, <laughs> right? That you can use, your own witnessing of your child's capacities, right? To see how consistent it was to to trust that that will come on board, trust your word, faith, my word, that it will come on board, that that this is a spontaneous developmental piece that will come on board. And it, and the pressure you as a parent have to be like, well, I, my kids in swimming classes and she won't leave the side of the pool. You know, like I signed her up and there she is. It's like, you get to actually like relax sit back and witness your kid and the kid will show you. And it's a form of self-soothing for me. So I'm an anxious person. And so 
like continually reminding myself of these things. Like when I take her out to ride on her bike because she's asked me to and it's her leading, I say to myself, she'll do it when she's ready. She'll do it when she's ready. There's no rush. She, If she wants to ride a bike, she will. You know, I just have these little things that I say to myself in my mind because it's there's pressures there. I grew up in a home. There's pressure. You know, there. I, I didn't say, yeah. What's your was, home exactly? Yeah, you know, it was my oh, totally say, right? my upbringing. You know, it was totally like the voices of my parents in my mind are there. You should be doing this by now. There's no reason you're not doing this by now. You know, all of those things were yeah. there, and yeah. I have to consciously and and intentionally counteract them so that I can be present and relaxed with my kids. You know. Yeah. So. I mean, this is the beautiful thing. One of the things we talk about a lot, what is innate parenting versus conscious parenting, you know, in our clinic and innate is all those that programming that we got Mm -hmm. in our homes. And, you know, like conscious is going, you know, this isn't working, right? It wasn't helpful for me. Like there's a lot of (laughs) suffering. Some of this is really hard for me, like as an adult, right? Like I have, I'm suffering, right? Like I want to get more conscious. So I want to take the stuff that was in my subconscious. I want to take the stuff that was, you know, like in my unconscious and I want to bring awareness to it and bring it into the consciousness so that I can make a different choice. Yeah, exactly. That's such a beautiful, beautiful movement in a parent and but it does put this work thing, right? Like I'm broken yes. and then I have to work on myself. And it's cumbersome. Right. And yes. it's cumbersome or clunky or I'm screwing it up or I'm, I'm going to pass on my screwed up stuff to them. I know that that's a big fear for so many parents that, you know, I yes. didn't get all my healing done before I became a parent and now I'm going to screw up my kids, you know? Yes. Can yes. you please help us with that a little bit? <laughs> thousand percent my total joy yes okay so here's an interesting thing about us human beings right if we are struggling and suffering with something and it's a challenge we often think okay i have to unlearn this i have to figure out a new way but if someone puts another way beside it that's really easy really effortless and gets you to the same place you don't have to unlearn it all you can just go do it So for just as an illustrative example, if you were going to work and you went out your house and you like walked two and a half miles up the street and then you had to cross this rickety bridge. Then when you got to the other side, you had to wait for a bus and then you got on a bus and the bus took you like uptown. But then you had to get off the bus and walk through this really sketchy kind of back alleyway and then to like get up into your work building, right? So this is how you got to work every day. And then someone just said to you, hey, if you went out your house and turned left, two blocks away is the same building. Like that's your office right there. (laughs) You don't have to unlearn the instinct to go right, walk three miles. Do you know what I mean? Like you don't, like, like you would just literally, you wouldn't have to remind yourself to turn left even, right? You'd go out the door, turn (laughs) left, go two blocks, there's your building, done right? Yeah. So the cool thing about us human beings that if you can put the more effortless, more ease filled, more nourishing play choice in front of you, you will choose that you won't have to unlearn the painful, suffering, difficult, challenging thing. Oh, that's you so won't true. have to. 
Yeah, our brains love efficiency. Some they, love efficiency they... and some love rules. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, like it to just be simple and straightforward. They like the easy path. Brains do. Yeah, it's also that our system can recognize nourishment versus suffering instantaneously. Right. Our babies did that. Right. Our ba- we could see it in our babies. Our babies would respond to nourishment and kind of pull away and be afraid or, or make, or, you know, like be contracted if it if there was suffering. Right. Like this is an innate human. It, it happens really in our primal brain. That's our, our brain stem and our limbic part of our brain yeah. that we can receive information that says nourishment and we can receive information that says suffering and know the difference instantaneously and we will move towards nourishment and that's a really beautiful human thing and that is the thing that builds your developmental capacity is moving in that nourishment really that's part of what's happening when we're building more brain neurons so we've got our brain stem and our limbic brain these are primal ancient caveman parts of our brain and then we have that cortex which is what we think of that outer shell of the brain when we think of the brain in our head mm-hmm. and then that prefrontal cortex which takes that whole cortex and links it to the primal part of our brain and what's happening there is is building brain fibers, building neurons, right? Mm -hmm. And so this whole brain development is occurring through nourishment, not through suffering. We know that suffering breaks neurons, Mm -hmm. breaks fibers, and that nourishment builds them. And so this is the cool thing about us humans. We thrive in nourishment, so if we put for all of our parents, if we, if I just illustrate, bring forward where those deeply nourishing places are, you won't have to, you don't have to worry about the trauma that you didn't clear out yet. What does that actually look like in practice? I've worked with enough parents to know that they will hear someone say that and they will feel really skeptical that that's possible for them. They need an example of like what that yeah. actually looks like. Totally. So let me give you a little more understanding and then go right into some examples for this. So we're just talking about our brain development. We just talked about how we build brain fibers, right? How we build these neuron networks. These are like roadways. So it's really easy to get around so we can get around our brain really easy. And in suffering or trauma, it breaks it and we end up with dead ends, right? And we like, that's what suffering feels like. It's like dead end, dead end, dead end, right? (laughs) And so what we know already with data, which is you and you as a, as a parent can understand it immediately, is that the place that builds the most neurons or brain fibers, and the, which is also to say the thing that's going to help your children develop the most is, a, is relationship, not technology, not information. It's real and also not doing a skill set. It's actually going to be relationship that builds fiber. And here's a really cool thing about relationship. Relationship is based in being, not doing. Mm -hmm. So we love to be with our children, for instance, right? We love to be with our children. And we as parents start to think that we have to do our children or do for our children or do And then we've interrupted the relationship a tiny bit there. 
And it's way more nourishing to just be with our children because that is the heart of relationship. You be with your dog, you be with your cat, you be with nature, you be with your partner or your friend. It's the beingness that is creating all that yummy relationship. And that beingness is creating all those beautiful brain fibers and, and that more brain fires, fibers gives us more developmental capacity. So mm-hmm. if we, so Can how I do just, we be? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I just want to give an example of yeah. that, that just, so yeah. just as an example, my kids like to bake with me we like to do that together. And it can either be really stressful for me or really enjoyable to me, depending on my approach to it, what I do in that moment with them. If I'm focused on the outcome, the doing, the getting it done, the the cookies, the you know, whatever it is we're baking, getting the recipe exactly right, teaching them about measuring or whatever, you know, if I have some agenda for it, it's usually pretty stressful for me. If I'm just in the moment, we're enjoying being together. Who cares if the cookies, you know, have a little extra salt in them or, you know, if they get the right number of stirs. Like if I'm just in the moment and my priority is on being with them, it's a much more enjoyable experience for all of us. For all of you. I yeah, for the, there's the nourishment. For, right? Yeah, for the, the kids and for us. Obvious. <laughs> yeah. Totally, right? The suffering is obvious and the nourishment is obvious. So mm-hmm. what we're going to start to invite you to do is lead off of those nourishing places. And so let me go into a really practical piece of this. So we call this in my clinic, I call it belly time for adults. It piggybacks so beautifully on your program of play, which totally love your program of playing with your kids. And I love how you sort of have, it's just like 30 minutes a week, you know, like if you don't have the energy, but it's beautiful. So here's what I want to invite parents to consider doing for the rest of the week. And we call it belly time for adults. And this is like, so imagine that it's like the end of the day, you got home from work, right? And then there's everybody needing you, right? The kids, or let's say we're at home with COVID right now, maybe, and you've been working in the office or whatever you've been doing, and then you stop and the kids need, like the kids want you, the dog wants you, <laughs> your partner wants you, like everybody's like wanting you, right? And it's just like, it's overwhelming and it's stressful to be like, how do I meet everyone's needs in this moment? We suggest this belly time. So we say, take off your shoes put the keys down, you know, and get onto your belly parents right down on the floor level. And then the kids will join you. They will come. We're assuming sort of like, you know, school age kids. And all you have to do is just lay there on your belly and breathe and witness your children. Do not, you don't have to do with them. You don't have to play with them. Nothing. You just sit and witness your children. And so Imagine this is like it's after work or it could be after dinner. I mean, it could be at any point in your day, right? You just get on the floor and lay there. If you have that capacity, if you don't have, if you have a physical impairment that doesn't allow you to do that, maybe you're on the couch or maybe you're on a chair, but getting down with the kids on the belly and just witnessing them. So this is not disengaging Mm -hmm. and it's not doing, it's witnessing. So the example I like to use is if we were at a butterfly farm and Laura, you and I were sitting on a bench and there was these gorgeous butterflies and imagine they were like giant, like they were like as big as your three-year-old, right? This, this (laughs) giant butterfly that you and I would sit and we would, we could watch this butterfly 
We don't have to teach the butterfly. We don't have to teach something or give to. We would just sit. And it would be incredibly nourishing to just sit there and watch the butterfly. Now, even better than that magical, big, beautiful butterfly is your child. (laughs) To, To you as a parent, it's so beautiful. And so there's an opportunity here to just lay on your belly and witness your butterfly. And at first your kids might be like, like whatever they're going to play. Maybe they play like pet shop or maybe they play Legos or maybe they play Barbies or whatever it is that they're playing or coloring, but they'll just pick up their stuff and start to play is what will happen. And you're on the floor with it. They will just start being in their flow and you're witnessing them. You're doing nothing else. You're just laying there witnessing them. And they might say, will you play with my Barbie or do you want to know? And you're like, I, all you have to say is I see you. And then they'll just start playing. They'll just start engaging. They won't, it'll be that, what you like to call that independent play, but they're with you. They're being together. And what happens is you get super nourished. You're not doing. And so the invitation here is to lean into that nourishment that you as a parent can recognize, right? Because your head will be like, you should check your messages. And did your boss call? And what are you going to have for dinner, right? Like your head's Mm going to do that. But if we lean towards nourishment, And remember, you don't have to unlearn. You don't have to unpack. You just lean towards the nourishment, which is just to lay here and witness my beautiful butterfly. And you will watch your children. It's like your kids were on vitamins. It's so incredible. It's like some B12 drip just went into your kid. Because children, as as you talk about a lot, children mirror. They don't act like you act they mirror you so if you're looking in the mirror and your hair is a mess you don't go to the mirror and straighten your hair mm-hmm. right you have to come to your own head and straighten it so children are a mirror they're mirroring they have those all those beautiful neurons in their brains the mirror neurons and they're mirroring you so you are sitting there witnessing your beautiful butterfly And they start to respond. They start to thrive. There's this beautiful impact because in essence, what you're saying to your children in the mirror language, what you're mirroring to your children is, I like being with you. Mm -hmm. It also says it's safe to relax here on planet Earth. It's also a mirror to your children to say it's safe to just watch and not do or not know or not even understand, it's still safe. This is what's being mirrored to your children when you are just laying on the floor witnessing them, watching your beautiful butterflies move. As parents, like the kids are always like, mommy, will you look at this? Mommy, look at this. Or mama, you know? And our sense is that we need to do for them or respond to them or engage with them, but we don't. We can just witness. And you will watch in your child when you turn to just witness, Like, I see you, they see you seeing them. Mm -hmm. And it's not an, it's not an engaged movement. It's not like you're on, I'm watching you, you know, it, that's a different kind of creepy feeling. This is more like just being with your beautiful butterfly. You're just witnessing your butterfly and they, they stop the mummy, mummy. It stops completely because they feel seen Mm -hmm. and that's what you're mirroring. You're mirroring. I like being with you. It's safe to relax. It's safe to just watch and like you get to be on planet earth, you know, baby, and just watch and you don't have to do, and you don't have to know, and you don't even have to understand and look at how nourishing this is. 
this is the mirror to your kid. Yeah, it's so powerful. It's such a powerful thing. I've gotten to witness that the power of what you're talking about over and over with the people that I work with in my 30 days of play challenge, the first 10 days are just doing that and noticing the effect that it has on your kid. And it's huge. huge. I have, I have like my own just data, just what I've collected on it. And I mean, I get messages all the time from parents that just the one shift of spending just 10 minutes, just observing, marveling at, wondering at, witnessing just 10 minutes a day of that. Yeah. And it's, and the truth it's is, is magic. Like, it's, it's totally crazy magic, but it is because of those neurons. Yeah. Because of those mirror neurons in your children. And it's that relationship. It's a relationship. The most fibers in the brain. And that, and then that relationship is occurring. But here's the thing that's really important about that witness, right? You're not trying to do something. So I'm like, you're not trying to observe. You're not trying to notice. You're not trying to, none of that's occurring. It's just, lay on your belly, relax and watch your butterfly. And maybe you notice nothing. That's fine. It's already happening. The spontaneous development is occurring. You don't have to come away with an observation or come away with like nothing has, there's nothing being asked of you and nothing being asked of your kid in that space. And that allows for that beautiful developmental growing those brain fibers in your kids through relationship. And it's so cool. It has nothing to do with you as a parent doing anything. It has to do with you doing nothing. What does it feel for you when you say allowing? Does that oh, allowing feels very, very spacious. Like it feels very, there's no judgment. There's no goal. It just is lovely. I think for some parents, they can try to allow, right? Or they could try to observe or try to. So I love how you define what that feels like. Cause for somebody else that might feel like the real word is like, Uh, spaciousness right or the Mm -hmm. real word for them is like just relax your role in that moment is to drop the doing which includes trying to do nothing it's the dropping of all of that and that will put you in the zone it will put you in the flow and it will create all kinds of developmental capacities both for you and your child in a way that just didn't involve you And then it becomes really, I think, organically nourishing to then start to pick that up in other places in the day. Like when you bake with the kids where you just actually just witness, you know, maybe you're just stirring and witnessing, or maybe it's when the kids are going for bedtime routine, you know, and Mm -hmm. you're putting them through the bedtime routine and all you're doing is witnessing while they brush their teeth. You're just witnessing while they read the book. You know, you might find yourself dropping into that mode because it's so nourishing. Yeah, it is nourishing. It's soothing to the nervous system too. Your nervous system loves it. It feels very safe. It gets all the right stuff. So my daughter was, my youngest one was at a a pretty long, like a three-hour cardiology appointment this morning. And there was stress involved in it. There was worry and concerns. And most of the time I just was in a place of being with her, watching her as she was watching a movie. And well, because I mean, she had to hold really still to do the assessments and the echo and everything. And so I was just watching her 
watching the movie. I like I was just And how did it go? Left. That really stressful environment. It's so beautiful. It's a beautiful example because that's a place where parents will feel like, "Oh my god, like how could I possibly do that?" But I love that it was in fact so stressful that your only option was <laughs> to sit and be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the, you know, I these are things. This is the being is a is a practice that I've been working on for a long time. So I knew that that's what I needed to not go down all of the paths of the what ifs and the what could happens and all of those things. You know, I needed to just be in the present moment with her, you know, for my own and, stress response. And when, yeah. And when you got home, how was it for both of you? We were great. I mean, it was fine. We, I mean, beautiful. Yeah, right? it was great. Yeah, is the empirical evidence. <laughs> yes, that regardless of your own trauma, Laura, right? Like you can actually enter a really stressful situation with your child, and both of you can be really okay all the way through it. And it's not a matter of like you being healed or I'm healed or you know, it's just a matter of choosing the nourishing path. And knowing, you know, when to recognize that and when to lean into it, you know, and. Exactly. I feel like that's why we're kind of in this conversation, like feeding in all that brain information so that the parents can deeply understand why your children thrive in that kind of a space. Mm -hmm. Because that's the very environment that offers the best developmental opportunities for your child's brain. Yeah. Oh, I so agree. And it's this kind of like the one, this is this one hand washes the other thing where it's, if we want this for our kids, we have to start with ourselves, you know, it start, it all starts with us, you know, it's, yes. and it's what's yes. good for us is good for them too. And then good being the thing that feels deeply nourishing in you, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like that's the definition of good. Cause a lot of us have definitions of good that are like, eat all your vegetables or, you know, <laughs> say your prayers before bed or, you know, and those are good and that's going to be safe. You know, in my clinic, which is global and thousands, hundreds of thousands of hours of clinical data, we can see the absolute brain development in there. We have all kinds of beautiful scientific research that points that that actually digitalizes those brains and so I think it's really important that we understand that nourishing choice for us if we lean towards nourishment that's going to really allow our own developmental capacities to come on to spontaneously come on board yeah oh that's beautifully put okay so Karen if people want to know more and learn more from you where can they find you Yes. So kieranchrace.com. Thank you for asking, Laura. <laughs> we have for you guys, the listeners of Balanced Parents, if you go there to kieranchrace.com, you'll see a pop-up that says the take the nine-day course. And it's a free class. It's a great class that I created with my other clinicians. And it shows you how to make these kinds of nourishing choices in every day. And it goes very step-by-step, step, very detailed information. And over the course of nine days, you might be able to make three, four, even five deeply nourishing choices. Great if you could make more. I mean, obviously <laughs> you're welcome to make as many nourishing choices as you want. But I think when we're starting from a place of a lot of stress and a lot of effort, I think a lot of these the listeners here of your lovely podcast have a lot of more consciousness. But anyways, it's a free course. It just helps you to make some of these really delicious and nourishing choices and shows you step-by-step 
And what I think is also really important is if you find yourself way out in stress city, way out in overwhelm, way out, like which really these days with stay at home, we really are. This is this simple, sweet, repeatable path to get right back into the zone, to get right back into this place of flow. And it's just a repeatable, consistent process of just here you go. You can get right back to that nourishing place because when we're so stressed and so overwhelmed, we're like, I couldn't find the nourishment if it bit me on my bum, Kieran. Like <laughs> I can't see any place of nourishment. And so this mm-hmm. is a really great way of like how to make some really great choices and how to keep yourself in the nourishing space or return to it. If you found yourself way bumped out. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your experience with us today. This was a really, really cool and interesting conversation. So I really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks, Laura. It was really sweet to be with you. And thank you for all the beautiful examples with you and the girls. Like, I think that that's just so illustrative of what's possible for all of us. So it's great. Oh, I'm so happy to do that. I think that sometimes it's, you know, we can feel like we've got these big concepts, but it so we have to bring it home and, you know, like what does that actually look like in our daily lives? Um, it's so important. Um, so important. Yeah, totally. Love it. Okay. Well, yeah. Thanks, Laura. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. <laughs> okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of Um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, And definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, That's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right, that's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly, of yourself. And just remember, balance is a verb, and you're already doing it. You've got this.